0: thankful for an opportunity that we have together to study God's Word once again, and I'm thankful for everybody that has uh, participated in leading us in, in worship, I'm thankful for that. Uh, I, I appreciate very much willingness of people to get up. Sometimes you go to congregations and and there are people who just don't want to do anything, so it's good when you have people who are who are involved, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, and we'll We'll start there in just a moment. If you want an outline of the lesson, uh, it's right there in that passage. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I want to say this. um, You know, I want want to make mention of something. uh, I understand uh, this fact uh, that when it comes to preaching, uh, it's definitely not about me, it's about the Lord. And uh, I don't want to ever, ever, you know, be in a position where I'm holding myself to some sort of a a double standard in that regard, you know, or I I might be hypocritical of that previous statement. But you know what, brethren, I'm striving to make sure that that doesn't happen, and I appreciate your encouragement in that as well. You know, because, you know, when it comes to this world, this life, uh, life isn't even about us. It's about serving the Lord. It's about following his commands. So this isn't about us. It's about him. Now, I want to say that to say this next thing. When it comes to preaching, what is biblical preaching? Now, we think about that and people go, well, biblical preaching is you know, getting up and, and preaching from the Bible. Someone might say, well, biblical preaching is when you use a lot of scriptures. Or biblical preaching is uh, when you have used certain scriptures and you've, you've really uh, explained those. Well, I, I want to look at a passage that I believe explains biblical preaching. And we might find that its definition may be different than what we have thought in the past. And so I'll I'll want to bring that out this morning. We're going to make some application to uh, to that from this passage. But let's look at the passage together. Uh, Ezra 7.10 For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of of Jehovah, the law of the Lord, and to do it. And to teach in Israel statutes and ordinances. That is a simple passage. And we, there's a lot that we need to get from it. The first thing is this. We understand that there was a preparation here. A preparation of the heart. And the preparation of the heart is on the individual. Now, who is that individual? That individual that comes in and play in many regards. Number one, it's the preacher. When you think about biblical preaching, the preacher needs to have his heart prepared to seek the law of the Lord. You know, oftentimes I've heard it said, and, and, and I've said it too, is that you know whenever I'm preaching a sermon, uh, the sermon starts at the back wall, it smacks me up the side of the head, and then it comes out to everybody else. You know, because all these things are for me as well as it is for everybody else. I cannot get up here and say, well, you, 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 and you, when it's me as well. It is all of us. It is every single one of us. It is meant for every single one of us. There have been times where in preparation for a sermon, I can think of one in particular where I was preaching on repentance. And while I was preaching on repentance, I became distraught. Because I realized there were some things that, you know, I had done to certain individuals after I had become a Christian that I wanted to make sure were right. And I knew that if I did not make those things right, that whenever I got up and I was preaching that sermon, it wasn't going to be as effective. Because I was going to have a battle within myself. And so when I would present that, it would not it would not go over the same way. And so I, I I knew what I needed to do, and I did it not not for the brethren. I did it for myself and for my Lord. I had to repent of those sins. I had to make things right. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek. The law of the Lord. How do we prepare our hearts? How do we prepare our hearts to seek the law of the Lord? Now, uh, you, you think about other people who prepared their hearts. Think about Abram or Abraham, as, as we later on call him in Genesis chapter 12, and verse 1. You know, he's given this seed promise, and he's going to have to go off into a, a distant land. He's not going to have a home. You know, at first he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, which we have actually since dug up. We see how magnificent of a place it was, running water and things like that, you know, indoors. You know, and so this is, it was a magnificent place. He was to leave all of that and go out because the Lord had commanded it. He was to go and follow what the Lord had done. So he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord by First, obeying commandments. Now, why is that important? You know, sometimes when we talk about obeying our parents, you know, sometimes obedience comes before really and truly loving our parents. You know, we, we, we may say at a young age, we may go and tell our parents, you know, I love you, but we don't really understand that until we get older. All we know is that we have a feel-good feeling when it comes to our family. But as we get older, we understand what it means to love. How do we prepare our hearts? And it's by seeking Him. It's by doing what He's commanded. You think about Genesis chapter 39 with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And Potiphar's wife has made advances upon Joseph. and, And what does he do? He leaves. He gets out of there. He doesn't stick around to see what's going to happen. He doesn't linger around. He gets out. So quick that even he leaves his outer garment behind. What about Moses? Moses prepared his heart as he obeyed the Father. You think about uh, Exodus chapter 3. He gives... uh, uh, um, Moses gives all these excuses. And God answers those excuses. But when when you get to Exodus chapters 19 and 20, you start seeing that he is coming into this leadership role. And he is being obedient to the Father without question. He has seen what God has done. And he is following wholeheartedly. The Bible is absolutely full of stories of courageous people who have done such great things, and we could go over to Hebrews 11 and, and just name off several. But these people, how did these men prepare themselves, prepare their hearts to seek the law of the Lord? How did they do that? I submit this to you. They did this by putting God first. Now, when we make this application to biblical preaching, what is it that we should do? Well, the preacher needs to put God first. He needs to look at the scriptures and he needs to follow them. Uh, And, you know, he's going to have times where he slips up, but he's going to make things right. Also, he's going to set his heart to prepare himself to seek the law of the Lord uh, by study, by getting into the word of God. Now, what about the individual? What about the individual listening to the sermon? What are they to do? What are they to do? Do you want to seek the law of the Lord? Well, then you know what you've got to do is you've got to prepare yourself. You know, that that comes in a lot of different forms. But, you know, the same thing that was mentioned for the preacher is mentioned for the individual, right? Make sure that you're living a righteous life. Make things right with God. Next thing is a study. You need to do that too. But, you know, something that we could add to that, that uh, usually the preachers typically get down. But we exclude them for, for this very reason is this. You know something we mentioned in Bible class. How do we prepare ourselves for Sunday? Man, I remember as a teenager, Saturday night. Man, that was a big night. I loved Saturday night. Always doing something. You know, my parents said, you know, nothing uh, nothing good happens after midnight. So you know, I, I had to I had to be home by midnight. So I, I made sure I got the most of that time. So then I get home at midnight. And I'm all amped up because I've just had a lot of fun with my friends, and so then you know what I do is I'd sit up till two and three o'clock in the morning. I'd be playing video games or watching a movie or something because see, you know I wasn't out and about doing anything wrong, right? I wasn't doing anything bad, really. But you know what? Six and seven o'clock rolls around no matter if you're ready for it or not, right? And so then, you know, here's this groggy teenager getting up, and, you know, they're they're not worth anything. And, you know, getting ready and, you know, going to worship and sit through Bible class, and somehow you make it through Bible class, just barely. And then you sit there and worship, and on three and four hours of sleep, the preacher starts talking and, that head starts getting heavier and it starts nodding back. And next thing you know, you're jolting awake because, oh, I just fell asleep. And then sometimes there's people that just, you know, they'll just conk right out. When we prepare ourselves, we can do it in all sorts of different ways. The application there really could be limitless for the individual. We need to prepare ourselves to seek the law of the Lord. We need to put God first. And why do we need to put God first? Well, we say that a lot, but why do we need to do that? Well, John chapter six, verses forty-four and forty-five, you know, talking that you know if we are going to come to God, if we're going to get to the Father, how do we do that? It's through Jesus Christ. It's through Him. It's the only way to get to the Father. Here are some verses, I think, that go along with this of how we should prepare our hearts by seeking the law of the Lord. You think about John 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Think about Deuteronomy 4, and verse 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart, And with all thy soul. Or Psalm 34 verse 10. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord. Shall not want any good thing. They are not going to lack for anything. Or Psalm 105 and verse 3. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice. That seek the Lord. I know this is simple, and and I have to bring things out like this because, see, you know, in order to preach, I have to understand it first. And then I have to portray it in a way that everybody else understands it. And my understanding may be a little lower than other people. But this is it. This simple thing. We're going to say it all the time. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, handling aright the word of truth. Now the American Standard has it a little more accurate. It says this: It says, "Be ye diligent." What does it mean to be diligent? It is actually putting every fiber of your being into something. I, I had never heard this until I I went to this cross country meet one time. I was not involved in cross country, but I, I had a friend who was a coach and he asked me to come out and and uh, so I I went out and, and I was standing near him and, and he was he was just yelling at his his kids and you know they're running by and he was he's yelling, Leave it all on the field and I'm thinking, What in the world are you what are you talking about? I've I played other sports but I had never heard that phrase used and he kept yelling at right leave it all on the field. Now, what in the world does that mean? You know, I, I, I said, hey, <laughs> Josh, you got to explain this to me. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? Leave it all on the field. And he said, I want my team to run so hard that they finish, but when they finish, they don't have anything left. That they'll cross that line and then we have to drag them to the cars to get them home. He's like, that's what I want from them. I want them to leave it all on the field. What about us, brethren? Do we leave it all on the field? Do we put everything that we have into this life? To be able to teach others? To be able to be a good example if we are going to seek the law of the Lord, we have to do this individually. We have to get into the word of God. We have to apply it to ourselves. It says that he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And then what? And to do it. He seeks, he prepares his heart. Then he's going to be pleasing to the Lord. He's just going to do it. Now, I I loved, uh, uh, you know, growing up in in the the 80s and 90s, you know, where this big slogan came out from Nike. And I'm sure you know what it is. Just do it, right? You know, just do it. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they're, they they say, "Well, I'm gonna start working out tomorrow." No no, 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 just do it. Go ahead, just do it. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna do this or that. No, just do it. Start it. There's no "I'm gonna" in the future. You know, or someday I'm gonna do this. Someday no, isn't any day of the week. You know, there is no someday. One thing that Ezra understood was that the work that he had to do was to be pleasing to the Lord. So we have to prepare our hearts. And then we have to do it. We have to implement it. So when it comes to biblical preaching, what is it? It is preparing yourself to seek the law of the Lord. But then it's also to just do it. Apply it to yourself. It's, you know, it's one thing. I've, I've met people, and I know that you have too. I, I remember I went to a Christian college. And while in school, there was a, a guy that, man, I tell you what, he knew just about everything, I thought. I mean, he, he knew the scriptures like the back of his hand. And he was just—he was amazing. I don't know. I, there's no other way to say it. You know, he just—he just knew it. And the—the uh, the more I got to know him, though, the more I uh, started to wane in my appreciation for him. You now, see, this guy—he knew the Bible, but there were some things that he was doing. He was—he—he yeah, he liked the ladies. And he did as much as he could with the ladies. And he went as far as he could. He also liked to drink. Man, I tell you what, he still knew God's word, didn't he? He knew his word, but you know what? He just didn't do it. I know that we've mentioned this before, but it's going to be coming back up again and again. Have you heard that phrase? Now, I don't want to go there because all those people, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, in a lot of cases, I'm not really sure that that's the case. But I have heard that used when it comes to the Lord's Church. And we need to make sure that we're not only teaching it, but we're doing it. So we're preparing our hearts by, you know, getting into the Word of God, obeying His commandments. You know, and this is just simply applying it to ourselves. You know, we can look at, and this is this is what kills me about about preaching. I have seen so many preachers that they'll get up and they will preach on, you know, the 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 they'll preach a, a parable. And they get up and they preach this parable and you know everything about that parable. But the only thing that you don't understand is how in the world does that parable apply to me? What good have have you just done? What good is it to know everything about the scriptures and not have any clue what it means for you? You know what good you've done? Absolutely no good. There's there's no good in that. Now, I I know that there, I've talked to preachers who've done this, and I say, look, guys, you know we need to we need to apply it. And I've I've talked to guys that are older than me that do this, and say, we, you know, we need to apply it. And they say, you know, we're just told to teach the word of God. Yeah, you're right. We do, but what about telling people, you know, about what it means? You know, we can get up and we can go and read the scriptures, but without applying it to our lives, it doesn't do us any good. You know, otherwise, we're sitting in a position where the church is today, where you have a lot of people who who have heard people teach on things, and and they'll say, well, you know, why is instrumental music, why is that, that wrong? You know, I don't know. My preacher says it. That's not a good enough answer. That's not going to fly. Now, now, what about when it comes to some of these social issues? Well, why, why is abortion wrong? Well, I don't know, but my preacher says it's wrong. So there you go. That just comes from a, this idea of we're going to teach, but we're not going to apply it. We're not going to we're not going to apply it to ourselves. We're not going to know it well enough that we could even. Each other's in Matthew 19 and verse 17 it says, and he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. You think about First Thessalonians 4 verse 1. And we have to obey the word of God to be pleasing to him. It is more than just knowing what it says. It's about doing it. It's about applying it to our lives. So Ezra set his heart, prepared his heart to seek the law of Jehovah and to do it. And here's the kicker, and to teach in Israel statutes and ordinances, or statutes and judgments. Not only was he going to learn about these things through the word of God. Not only was he going to, as we've already mentioned this morning, not only was he going to prepare his heart. Not only was he going to seek the law of the Lord. Not only was he going to apply it to himself and actually do these things, but furthermore, what was he going to do? He was going to persuade others. Persuade others. He was going to teach others these things. You know, God wants us to teach others as well. I think that should be fairly well known. But Jesus tells us this in the Great Commission. Uh we, we we know that there. Uh, uh, when you look at the, the scriptures, we, we obviously we think about you know such passages Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, the end of the world, brethren. That's a great commission. And what is it? We, what do we see in verse twenty? We, they have the authority is verse eighteen. Authority is Christ. Christ has given this command. He says, "Look, the command is this: go out and teach, and you you baptize these people." You baptize them in the name the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, after that, you don't do anything, right? That's it. No, 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 no. No. The last part is this. You teach them to do everything that you're commanded to do. That includes that last thing of teaching others. Everybody has to do that. Well, you see, I don't have a whole lot of time, and that's why we have a preacher. See, we can pay the preacher, and then he can do that. Well, I'm I'm going to go to that passage in Second Opinions, where we get. No. That's not there, is it? We don't have a passage that says that. We don't have a passage that is able to delegate our responsibility of teaching others. You know, there are various ways in which we could do that. But we cannot push off that responsibility to someone else. Each Christian has to do that. Every single one of us. We know, Matt, that's all well and good, but you know I'm not a very good teacher. You know what? You can get better. Well, I don't know if I can be that good. You know what you can teach? You can teach someone how to become a Christian. Maybe it is that you can 't teach much after that because maybe you cannot communicate very well but i 'm sure just about everybody could communicate the plan of salvation. It is each individual christian 's responsibility to teach you know furthermore let's let 's think about some other passages following in that same thought process with the great commission uh, matthew sixteen verses fifteen and sixteen it says And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. So what do we have here? We have the Great Commission yet again. What are are we told to do? Go out and teach people. Go out and teach people. These parallel each other. We understand that. But go out and teach people. And they need to be baptized. And if they're baptized, then they'll be saved. And if they're not baptized, you know, they're not going to be saved. And if they don't believe, they're not going to be saved. Well, you know what, Matt? The Scriptures doesn't say that. Scriptures doesn't say that if you're not baptized, then you're not going to be saved. You know what? You got me there. You got me? I cannot say anything else. Your rhetoric is just so good that... I am dumbfounded over here because, oh, wait, just a second. Mark 16 and verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Let me ask you a question. If you don't believe, are you going to be baptized? No. Absolutely not. Do we have to put that? It's called an ellipsis. You don't have to put the information there because it's to be understood. It's called logic. You know? Some people have it more than others, I understand that. Sometimes we can we can all learn it, but some people are just gifted with it. But here again, here's one of those things. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't say. Why don't we just stick to what the Bible does say? How about that? Let's stick to what the scriptures teach. And the scriptures are very, very clear. But going back to verse 15, it says, This is this is you know given to the, the apostles here, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They are told this to go and do this. They're told also in Luke 24, verse 44-48, another instance of this passage, it says, And he said to them. Uh, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, Beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. It's to be taught everywhere. It's to be taught everywhere, and as we have already seen in Matthew 28 and verse 20, it's to be taught by Christians. We are to teach it. It's not just the preacher's job, it's not just the elder's job. It's not just the deacon's job, although we have biblical examples of all those teaching. It's the Christian's job. We are all to do this. So what is the point here? You know, when we're talking about biblical preaching. And we're going to continue this thought uh, next week. But the idea is simply this. If we are going to think about biblical preaching we need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our hearts to seek the law of the Lord. We need to be willing to do what we read. And we need to, furthermore, be willing to teach those things. Well, you know, I don't know. We, I got some friends that they are not very receptive. The Lord didn't didn't command us to persuade people to the point that they will be receptive. Because we understand that there are some people who are not going to receive the word. We know that there are some people when Jesus, the ultimate master, perfect teacher, when he taught, that people did not obey. So that is not our problem. But as we see in 1 Corinthians 1, what are we to do? You know, we are to go and to teach. Go and teach. You know, the idea is simple. You know, you, you can go and you can, you can plant that seed and somebody else can come back and water. And somebody else will come back and they'll harvest it. You know, it, it's, it's, it's just our job to teach when we have teachable moments. Right? Right? Yeah, you know, I, I give a lot of examples when it comes to family because, you know, I, I'm a family man. I've got a young family, and, uh, and I love my family. I love them dearly, and uh, I hope, hope everyone shares that sentiment, not just my family but yours as well. But you, but you know what? When you think about this idea of, of using those teachable moments, have you ever known that you need to work with something, you know, or with your child on something? and and you're just waiting you're just waiting for that opportunity you want to come up naturally cuz that's the best time right and so when that time comes up what do you do you grab it say all right i'm teaching it now especially when it comes to negative behavior you're thinking i need to correct this while i got the chance now i want to want to make some more application here what about this what about when we are Or at the store. At a restaurant. Something like that. We're in public. And someone brings up the Lord to us. What should we do? What do we need to do? We need to take that moment to teach. Now maybe it is that you don't know exactly how to answer whatever question. Or maybe even combat some sort of argument that's coming up. But you know what you can do. As you can tell them, you can say, hey, look, I'm a Christian. And, and I'd, love, I'd love for you to come and, and, and visit with us. And I, I'd like to study this with you. Or I know somebody that is very good at Bible study. And I, I'm, I, I want you to come and, and study with them. And, and maybe, maybe we could all learn something. You know, whatever you can do to teach. You know, it's the interesting thing about evangelism. It doesn't have to be difficult. We make it more difficult than it is. You know, some uh, I, there was this one time where we were working with the congregation and, and they had had uh, fifteen different Bible studies going on, and it was it was good work. I appreciated that. We had fifteen Bible studies going on. It resulted in uh, five baptisms and a restoration. And it, was, it was a blessing to be able to do that. And that was that was just in a four month period. That was wonderful, right? Um. and so there's there's some people that, that from another congregation they came over and they visited with us and they heard about what was going on and they said well you know how, how did y'all do this you know we want to know we want to do the same thing and you know what the response was we just asked you know what we just asked you just have to ask sometimes You know what? What are people going to say? Got two options. And when they're saying no, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the Lord. (coughs) Brethren, we need to be like Ezra. As he prepared his heart during a hard time in Palestine, you know, he was... Pleasing to the Lord and he persuaded others to do the same thing that he was doing. You know what? If we do this ourselves, then you know what? We will produce lovers of God. We will produce followers of Christ. In Acts 17 and verse 27 it says this. That they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from any one of us. Are we seeking after the Lord? I sincerely hope so. Maybe it is this morning that you know that you are not right with the Lord. Maybe you've not yet become a Christian and you'd like to take advantage of this opportunity and become a Christian this morning. Maybe it is you are are already a Christian and, and you need to make things right with God and Uh, We'd love to help you out with that. So if there's anybody that needs to do that, you're going to have a a moment in just a minute to do that. Maybe uh, you just need prayers. And that's what a a part of this is, is that we're here for each other. We are to love each other. And if we love each other, we're going to pray for each other. And so it's not shameful to come down forward and, and, and to repent of sins. That's not shameful. What would be shameful is to sin and not repent. That is where true shame is. So maybe it is that there's someone here that needs to respond to the invitation this morning. If that's you, then please come as we stand and as we sing.
1: A great day. Day coming, a great day coming, there's a great When the saints and the sinners shall be parted right and left, are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? Judgment Day. There's a bright day coming, a bright day coming. There's a bright day coming by and by. But its brightness shall only come to them that love the Lord. Are you ready for that day to come? Are you ready? Are you judgment day. Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? There's a sad day coming, a sad day coming. There's a sad day coming by and by. When the sinner shall hear his doom depart, I know ye not. Are ye ready for that day to come?